This episode is a follow-up to the one we had last week with Leslie Mosley, a survivor of childhood and adult abuse and trauma. So just knowing our topic should provide a trigger warning to you if necessary. And again, if these issues are uncomfortable to you, know that we don't intend to bring you emotional harm. In fact, the opposite is true. Our desire is that this conversation will bring some of the hope and healing you may need to survive and overcome your past or present experience. Welcome to our podcast. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. I'm pleased to welcome back Leslie Mosley on this podcast. Last week, we spoke with Leslie about some of the life traumas she's experienced. And like last week, let me mention this. It's a trigger warning. On this episode, we'll be talking about sexual abuse and trauma. It isn't a topic we typically cover on this podcast, but I found Leslie to have such a compelling personal story and be a strong victim's advocate. So I believe it's a story worth telling and hearing. So Leslie, thanks so much for joining us again this week. Oh, thank you so much. I'd like for us to go in a different direction today, Leslie. There came a time when things changed for you, and you alluded to that at the end of our podcast last week. Not everything is all sunshine and roses today, but things are different. So what happened? 100%. I feel like in so many ways, I did a 180 as a person. Who I was when I first got married to Sam, like he and his family will even tell you how different it's been. And that is completely because of God. Like he, he is what happened. Like it's, it's as simple as just answering Jesus happened. It's when you finally surrender your life to him and let him have control, which can be very hard for someone who has experienced abuse because it is about control. It's not about the sex. It's not about any of that. It's, it's really about control. It's about someone else controlling you. Right. It's not about you controlling the narrative. It's someone else controls it. Right. And we want to, as, as a survivor, we want to have control over anything we can sometimes. And it, it can be difficult to give that, give things to him. But once you do, like I can tell you, it's, it's so much better. Even I became hungry for the word. He gave me like it says, you know, he gives you, he loves you first. He gives you the faith and it made me study his word. I went from wanting to continue my career in occupational therapy to switching to theology. And then I am planning on continuing with my master's in counseling to become a Christian counselor. Even if it's not professionally, I would love to be able to counsel people that have been through similar experiences and show them scripture that backs up how much he is there for us despite these things. And to remember in context that God is love and he does not give us evil things. He can use evil for good, such as he did with Joseph, but he does not create evil. He, we, he gave us free will. And unfortunately, um, we're in a fallen world right now and people use that free will for evil choices at times, but that is not him causing that. Let me dig here a little deeper on a a parallel topic here. I agree. Surrendering our life to Christ is a huge thing and brings us health and hope and healing. And yet, while that salvation may be immediate, and as you've said, sanctification may take a long time, that growing and being the right person, 
I also know that you've continued to struggle with things from your past. I hope this isn't inappropriate to say that I know you struggle with PTSD related to this trauma and this abuse. So how does that impact your life today? Here you're this believer, and you've asked Jesus to come into your life and take away your sin and move you on a different path from the past into the future, and yet some of this stuff still comes along. How do you deal with that? Exactly, exactly right. Um, And for a lot of people, I've heard stories and testimonies that are amazing where Jesus took away their temptation of addiction instantly, and they never smoked another cigarette. And I think that's amazing. However, it's I don't want people to think that that's the norm or that if that's not what happens for them, then he must not be working because sometimes he takes his time with us. He's not going to throw all of our convictions at us at once because that would just be way too much. So I've been a work in progress, slowly but surely. I had many therapists tell me, and this is like, as an earthly perspective, this is accurate. One that has PTSD will have it for the rest of their life. And I was told this and I kept going to therapy. And as much as therapy has helps, truly, I believe that God delegates to doctors and therapists uh, alike. It was really him that took me that extra mile. I was able to learn coping skills in therapy. However, it's never helped me stop needing the coping skills, whereas Jesus actually helped me not need the coping skills so much. While in my theology class, I was reading through Romans, and I couldn't even do my assignment because the Holy Spirit was just so strongly compelling me to write a letter to my dad. Your father who abused you every day for 11 years. Right. And I had such compassion for him and This is just proof to me that it's God, because how could anyone have that on their own? (laughs) Like, no amount of therapy caused this to happen. I remembered, I had the unforgiving debtor in my head. My father-in-law had told me about this parable years ago. And though I could understand it, my heart was like, no way. Like, (laughs) that, that doesn't apply to me. But it really does. And I even know Christians that would probably disagree with this. But like, I am no better than my dad. My sin is just as heavy as his. God doesn't see sin as a scale or weighted. And I am as just as guilty as he is. And that humbles a person. And we realize like, wow, we, you know, we all equally need his salvation. None of us are better off than others, even though earthly consequences are different. So I wrote. So you him wrote this, a letter to your father. Yeah. So I wrote him this letter. This letter, and this is completely inspired by the Holy Spirit. This isn't like me necessarily, but the Spirit guided me to write him with a lot of scripture backing up, basically just letting him know that although I'm not saying that I'm happy that the abuse happened, that I let him know how God was able to take my life and turn it around and use the abuse for for good and that i've been able to relate i've had women come to me because i can relate to them and i i don't judge because there's nothing you can say to me that's going to freak me out because <laughs> i've probably done it all too and i and i give hope i hope that i can glorify him through my story and give hope that it is possible to come out of this and I sent him a Bible with the letter 
Um, I told him how much God loves him. I told him his behavior is not what equals salvation. And I, I used a lot of scripture to back that up. I told him that we are not saved by works, that he's never too far gone. Like thinking about the guy in the graveyard that was as low as it gets, um, living with pigs, being naked, being demonized, you know, and look at what Jesus did for him. And I just wanted my dad to know that he was not too far gone for God and that I truly hope that he finds him and heals because my dad is obviously sick. Like, I know that he made his choices, but I I don't doubt that there is some kind of spiritual warfare going on there. And I actually feel bad for him. I have compassion for him. And like I said, there's no way that that could happen without God. And ever since Did you write this letter hoping you would be able to reconcile with your father? Is that your hope? I would like to, yeah, in a way. I don't think I would let him like come hang out with the kids necessarily. I think that's um, a good idea. Yeah. Kind of like I heard in a sermon once about forgiveness that we can forgive our neighbor for abusing our child, but we'll never let them babysit again. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I do, I do hope truly that we can someday. I would like him to see, because he knows obviously firsthand what he did. So I would like him to see the power of God. And I would like him to see my life where it is now and to see how powerful he is and what he can do. He's prevented from contacting you for a few more years. Is that correct? Yep. Till next year. So we'll see. (laughs) You told me that you wrote this letter to your father and you sent him a Bible. You said, I wanted to underline some important parts in the book of Romans. By the time you got done, you'd underlined almost the entire book when you (laughs) sent it to him, the entire book of Romans. That's pretty funny. Leslie, how do you feel when people ask you this? What did you do or what did you not do to make this abuse happen? Do you think that you or other victims of abuse bear responsibility in that abuse? No. And I, if anyone asks me this, I would, it would take a lot in me to not get very angry. (laughs) Um, Like it's whenever I hear the, well, what was she wearing or um, when I served as a victim advocate in the military, there was so much mindset of, well, she was she was drinking, she was flirting, she was wearing this, she wanted it, blah, blah, blah. And coercion is still assault. You can be in the middle of consensual sex and just change your mind and anything after that is assault. And I, I really strongly want to advocate for people who feel guilty for their abuse, thinking that any of it is their fault because it's not. It doesn't matter if you were flirting. It doesn't matter if you started consensually. It, as soon as you are out, that it's done. So that's what I would, I, I feel really strongly about that one. I'm, I'm, I think you should. I'm glad you do. Leslie, we talked about this before we started our recording a few days ago. I ask you this question. You say you're an open book. And, and again, if you don't want to respond to this, you don't have to. It seems to me that this kind of abuse would even tend to carry over into your into your life now as a wife and mother. And it seems to me that it'd be very difficult for intimacy to be what God intended. How do you find that changing in your life today? 
Sam is a very patient man and it, and it really helps. He's very compassionate. And I think it's very, very important to be open with your spouse about your abuse so that they, they know your triggers. And it's important to become aware of one's own triggers. In the beginning of our marriage, there was so much that was off limits um, physically, uh, even, even a the brush of his facial hair would just like, I would just cry and he would just hold me and reassure me that I was safe. And in, in those moments, you just need to kind of like ground yourself. And I have found that ever since I sent that letter to my dad, I, that was two years ago, almost three years ago. I think I've never had a flashback since then. I, it, it's incredible. I'm able to be intimate with Sam in any way now, and we uh, create new memories, you know, you do something enough times, then you start associating it with that person instead. And what else helps is having other sensory things like smell or sound music or things like that to keep you in that moment because your brain does not know the difference between time. So if you're having a flashback, like your brain actually thinks that you are physically back in that traumatic experience. So it's so important to ground yourself with these things and pray, like just, just number one, just pray. And it has truly worked. And I think that if we could see the spiritual world when we pray we would do it so much more often because mm, we would see true. the angel going to work you know it's incredible the healing when you forgive someone it's not for them it's really not it's not saying it's okay it's not to let them off the hook it's not to make them feel better it's ever since i forgave my dad through the help of the holy spirit i would almost honestly go as far to say i no longer have ptsd I know that it is still a diagnosis of mine, but I have I have some tendencies still once in a while that I like I'll respond at an eight to a level five offense sort of thing, but I become self-aware enough of that to then go back and say, okay, yes, you offended me at this level, but it was not appropriate for me to respond at this level. And the reason I did that is because of other people. And that is not your fault, right. if that makes sense. It does. And we've discussed this as well. We know that intimacy is more than sex. And that's mm -hmm. something maybe you didn't quite understand in those early relationships after you left home. And I think now coming to realize that is, is probably a very helpful thing to you. I mean, I had a chance recently to be with you and Sam and just to see you walking together and talking together and smiling together. If you ask me, that's a pretty important part of the intimacy that we share. Oh, and yeah. I, I've appreciated that. And again, the beautiful pictures of you and Sam. I know we only typically post pictures of us smiling. Uh, we don't post pictures of us fighting. That's probably right. really good. <laughs> but the truth is, I think I, I really believe those smiles are there far more often than the, the angry things. Oh, yeah. Let me ask a final question here. Is it possible, Leslie, for a victim to overcome their abuse? I think it's only honestly possible. It's not possible for us on our own. No matter how much work we put in, we can cope with it, but it's never going to go away. 
but if we give it to God, nothing is beyond him. And I really hope that my story is proof of that. Like I said, I wouldn't, if I, if I redid diagnostics test, I would not qualify for PTSD with the way that God had healed me. Like I said, it's only been a few years. So, and we're being sanctified until the day we go home. So I am confident that he will only continue to heal me. And it's so rare for me to have even thoughts of, I can talk about my dad and about the abuse and I have not even one bit of anger. I don't have any, I have nothing but compassion for him and I can't even get angry at him if I try now. So I think that we can just not on our own. It it has to be God's. We have to give it to him and nothing, absolutely nothing is too hard for him to turn around and use for the good or at least just heal you from it. You're a brave woman. Thank you for sharing with us about this, sharing this story with us. This is a, it's a difficult story, but one I think is going to be helpful for people. I'm going to reach back to you and let you know if we get people saying, let's do that again. Maybe we can do this again sometime. Yeah, I would, I would love that. I really hope that it is helpful to somebody. Even one person would be fantastic. And just one thing I wanted to touch on that I forgot to is that our level of faith doesn't equal our healing. Um, I'm not sure how to word this, but I, I know that me giving this to God and my prayers is what is how he healed me. But I don't want anyone thinking that because they're still struggling, it's because they don't have enough faith or that you know, anything like that, just absolutely just keep praying, just keep, you know, don't believe that your level of faith has to do with your level of healing. He will heal you. Just keep giving it to him and go. I don't want to like go easy on yourself. Like don't, don't bring yourself down. Don't think that you are, don't think that he doesn't care about you just because you haven't healed yet. Don't think that he hasn't heard your prayer and just remember to ask him to give you the eyes to see and ears to hear because so many times we miss the experience of God because we want to see him the way we want to see him more like a genie in a bottle than a God and just keep your eyes open for the way he answers your prayers not the way you want him to and don't fall for that lie Satan is telling you that you are unworthy don't fall for that lie that God doesn't love you or care because I promise you he does just keep talking to him like he's your best friend and he's your Abba that just loves you more than anything. Even if it's not on this side of heaven, you will get there. You will find healing. If someone is involved in an abusive relationship or they know an individual, a friend who is, what are some of the things that you can do to find the help you need? If you or someone you know is dealing with that, you should be able to call your local police station. You should even be able to call um, even your local courthouse would probably have resources for them, whether it be a safe shelter or therapy services. Of course, you could likely go to any pastor and they could give you spiritual guidance and counseling. And I've often said that surviving the trauma is one whole thing, but it's 
almost harder in some ways after coming out of that. So I'd want people to be ready for that. It's just a whole other process of healing and dealing with the fact that someone you really trusted had hurt you. And I would advise counseling and prayer and spiritual guidance to anyone who has dealt with those things. And they should be able to go to any sort of counselor, call or Google some services in their area. And again, if somebody feels like they're in immediate danger, they should dial 911. Even though the abuser may suggest to them that if they do that, it's going to be a more difficult situation, they're going to kill themselves or they're going to kill you. The truth is you need to dial 911 and get help just as soon as possible. There's no reason to delay that. This is not your fault. Right. This is the fault of a person who has got trouble way beyond your ability to talk to them and reason with them. So if you're in immediate danger, please dial 911. Leslie, again, let's add value to this story by taking just a moment and praying for those who have found themselves in these difficult or dangerous relationships. And maybe now they've even extracted themselves, but there's a time for healing that needs to come and help them. I wonder, would you be so kind as to just lead us in a prayer for them? Sure. Jesus, thank you for this opportunity. And God, thank you for this finding the ears who need to hear it. And please continue to spread it to whoever needs this, God. And we want to help advance your kingdom with this. We want you to get the glory. Please help anyone who hears this that needs it to get the courage. Give them courage and strength, God, to to report things and to seek safety. Help them know that it's not their fault and that any consequences is not on them and that they do not need to be afraid to to do what's right and to to escape this situation. And God, please, for those who have already escaped these kind of situations, please bring them healing. Please help them seek you because although therapy and counseling is all needed and wonderful, God, you are the true healer and you can heal parts of us that no earthly resource can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our podcast and will follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. And please consider sharing it with a friend. Until next time, this is Rick Shields. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, here's my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after him 